you are listening to The Janine Garner Show. Janine is a leading expert on leadership and driving influence through networking and collaboration, passionate about bringing brilliant people together to achieve remarkable results. Join Janine Garner as she shares insights, interviews, and conversations, and let's together make the remarkable happen. Welcome to the latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. I am your host, Janine Garner, and it is my absolute pleasure to have as my guest today an incredible thought leader who is passionate about people and projects. Please welcome to the show, Jeff Schwizo. Now, he believes that when the two come together, when people and projects come together, a truly exceptional workplace is formed, a workplace that engages the very best of its people whilst consistently delighting its clients and constantly evolving to generate exceptional results in in any uh, business environment. Over the past 30 years, Jeff has lived and breathed projects. He's led them, he's studied them, he's fixed them, and as he says in his bio, he makes them sing. How awesome is that? He's also the author of an incredible book called Projectivi, How to Use Projects to Engage Your People in Strategy That Evolves Your Business. Jeff is Melbourne-based and he is a speaker and a um, strategy specialist. So please welcome to the show today, uh, Jeff Schwizo. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you, Janine. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Now, that obviously is not an Australian accent. Whereabouts are you originally from, Jeff? Um, so I'm from the U.S., Florida specifically. Um, yeah and moved overseas in the late 90s. I moved to New Zealand first, spent a couple of years there before I moved to Australia. And how many times do you get asked by people back home whether there are kangaroos bouncing down the road? (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Yeah, the Crocodile Dundee references just keep flowing. Interestingly enough, most people when I go back say, wow, you really have an Aussie accent now. And I said, no, I I really don't. (laughs) Uh, I remember um, when I used to have my proper job, I'd be traveling to the US probably two to three times a year. I worked for an American fashion brand. And uh, I do distinctly remember sitting in a board meeting or a presentation meeting and the head of this particular brand actually looked at me and said, oh, my God, you Aussies are so funny. And I sat there going, I'm not Australian. Um, I've lived there for a long time and I definitely don't have an Aussie accent, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> they all sound the same to you, I understand. Exactly. My friends when I go home say I've got an Aussie accent, but I, I can't hear it myself. So tell me a little bit um, about what you do and how you ended up doing what you do. Um, well, the straightforward answer is that I have a consulting practice that helps business leaders be more effective at strategy making planning and execution of strategy, particularly in today's highly dynamic business environment. The more nuanced answer is really that I believe that exceptional businesses of today and and certainly of the future will be the product of exceptional workplaces. So I use my consulting and speaking to show business leaders how to shape those sorts of workplaces by engaging their people in the strategic journey. Um, So really become more intentional about um, consistently and persistently reshaping the business 
to the future that you aspire to and allowing the people within that business to shape the workplace that underpins that. So that's a lot of arm waving, I suppose, but um, it, it really is about how, how do we get intentional about creating the business future that we that we aspire to mm. i love um, that word intentionality it has such a depth of substance to it um, i'm curious as to from your perspective and from the work that you've been doing why is an intentionality about creating uh the business environment the culture the teams etc so important as we head towards this this changing landscape that we're operating in well, I think the the reality is that we keep saying that that um, change is happening at an ever faster pace, and that's been true for decades. So you can you can go back to the fifties and read business books that were saying exactly that. Um, but what's starting to be true is the pervasiveness of change is has greater depth and breadth, and so the potential for businesses, entire industries to be significantly impacted um, by change at a pace that they aren't in a position to respond to um, is greater than, it, than it's ever been. And so it's, it's more important than ever that we continually are adapting to that change rather than trying to make big step changes in response to um, market or industry changes that are showing up as um, negative impacts on the bottom line. So the only way to do that is to engage all of your people in that sort of um, evolution, that, that adaptive approach to emerging change in your marketplace. And, and leaders can't do that by themselves. You have to leverage that across the entire organization. Mm-hmm. And that, that engagement piece is, is probably one of the biggest challenges when you've got so many uh, different people within a working environment, both sort of gen- generationally, uh, culturally, you know, the diversity of workplaces is, is so broad now. Um, how, what sort of um, counsel do you give the leadership teams in terms of how to build that engagement? Because it seems to me that engagement is one of those uh, consistently sought after things, but nobody seems to be nailing it 100%. Yes, I'm glad you asked me that. <laughs> um, look, I, I believe that the way that you're going to really drive meaningful engagement and motivation in the workplace is by giving your people meaningful work to be engaged in mm-hmm. and a shared purpose to be motivated by. Mm-hmm. And, and so what what I see most most often is that organizations say, we, we want to improve engagement and we're going to give that to human resources to work on. And engagement isn't a human resources problem. It's a business problem. And, and business problems get solved when they become a part of your operational fabric. When you start to build engagement into what you do as a business mm-hmm. and not just we go and talk to you a lot, but engagement that says we value what you know and believe, and we want to bring that value to the way we shape our business. And that's why um, strategy, the strategic journey, is um, a particularly powerful place to engage people. 
because it's shaping the business. It's it demonstrating that you believe that they have something to add to where the business is going. And then in the way that I counsel and using strategic projects as the, um, the work that you engage them in, you actually literally show them that you trust them enough to start to create, you know, to shape and mold those the strategic ideas into something that you can bring into the operational environment. Mm-hmm. And and mot- motivation comes out of people actually seeing that meaningful work get translated into what the business is trying to accomplish. Mm, I love your comment there about engagement isn't an HR problem. It's a it's a business problem. And I am sure there are many people listening to, to this podcast right now that are nodding their heads and going, absolutely. Um, so if 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 you were to give them one tip of how how do you where do you start? And I know this is like bigger than Ben Hur, but if there was one thing that you you were absolutely clear on that organisations need to get better at to get engagement um, happening more effectively, where's the starting point? Um, well, the the starting point that I actually use with with teams and organisations is. It starts with purpose. You have to know what your strategic purpose is. Mm. You have to have a strategic model for where you want the business to go. And even if that model is, I want to keep doing what I've always done. We just want to do it better. Okay, great. That's a place to start. But then start to say, what are the opportunities, improvement opportunities that will allow us to pursue that strategic purpose? And what are the projects that I could do to realize those opportunities? Mm. Take those projects, choose the most important three. Get a team of people that are closest to the work that you're trying to improve or the product that you're trying to develop and say, okay, I'm going to trust you to pursue that particular improvement opportunity in whatever way you believe best suits the business and then let them get on with that work because doing those three projects will tell you what you need to do next. It'll tell you what support you need to give to those people in order for them to bring their skills and experience to that project in the best way. And they will build project muscle, as I like to say, in doing them. And and the strategic importance of them will create a momentum that ultimately starts to, to build motivation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really as, as simple as that. Start yeah. doing it, but doing, do it around what's important for your business, where, where you want to take your business. So where this is clearly, you, you've clearly found your purpose um, and hence why this is your work now, your life's purpose that you're working on. But, but where did all that start? Where did all of this insight um and thought process come from jeff um it's a little bit of a tortuous path but so my my background is in project management as as you said in the lead in there and and specifically managing um the design and construction of large infrastructure projects and um i've always was a student of the game, so to speak. So rigorously studied and followed um, traditional project management um, practices and principles. 
but pretty early on in my project management career came to realize that those practices and principles weren't enough to guarantee success. And in fact, success became more fleeting, <laughs> if I say it that way, um, the larger, more complex that the projects became. And so I became enamored of the idea, <laughs> one would maybe say obsessed, with the idea of how do we create an operational environment um, where we make people more successful at what they're good at doing. In other words, how do, how do we get defined by the sum total of our strengths as opposed by limited by the lowest common denominator of our weaknesses? And so that took me down the path of what some would describe as lean. Um, I very seldom use that term anymore because it means a lot of things to a lot of people. And um, fundamentally using operations management science to improve the, the capital project environment, construction project environment. And um, began to see some success and, and efficacy in what other people that had similar approaches were doing. I said, look, this is, this is something that this industry needs. I want to change the industry. And so I started my own practice. Mm. And that um, was fundamentally built around how do we make teams more efficient and effective? Because that was really my passion. It was it is seeing teams generate tremendous business value just because they're really good at the work they do. Mm -hmm. And um, so what you come to learn very quickly is most people are driven by crisis. And so most of my improvement work was improving projects that were troubled. Um, we've, got, we've got one that's on fire. Jeff, can you help us to put it out? Mm -hmm. And after doing that for a while, started to generate this, um, a bit of a following that said, look, if we could get ahead of the fire and start fireproofing, maybe, maybe we'd actually make money on our large capital projects. And so that moved the work I was doing to a strategic level. And so what I started looking at is, okay, how do we, instead of just focusing on individual projects, how do, how do I get better in supporting organizations in um, making strategic change in a, in construction is a very staid industry. It's done business the same way for 50 plus years. And so that moved me from how do we do projects better to how do we use projects better? How do, how do we get consistent and persistent about making strategic change as opposed to trying to make large scale transformational change because large scale transformational change fails much, much more often than it succeeds. Um, and that strategic piece started then to open my, um, my eyes, if you will, to wait a minute, this doesn't just have to be applied to the construction industry. The, this sort of strategic execution approach will work in any environment. And in fact, it'll be even better in those environments that are where the marketplace is much more dynamic, where change is much more dynamic because it allows you to be more nimble and adaptable um, where you don't have the luxury of large scale transformational change, even if it does work. And um, 
so yeah, so that that was sort of the path that I took to get to where I am. And then the intellectual path was it started folk being focused on process practices. And I became more cognizant of the human element of making change when we got to the strategic level. When we start when I started talking to clients about making strategic change and changing people's long-held beliefs. And so I became somewhat enamored of the behavioral sciences and, and understanding what behavioral research was telling us and um, bringing that to bear with the the, the framework of peace. Mm. Yeah, so that's yeah that's that is the, the sort of the evolution if you will <laughs> well that's what's so wonderful about it evolution to to get to where you're at now so thinking back who who would you say has been one of the most influential people in your life and why oh my <clears throat> look i think um i've had an awful lot of influences that have come into my life for very different and specific reasons. Um, gosh, first, first and foremost, my, my father would probably be the most significant influence in terms of shaping me as a, as an adult, as a man, as a, as a, not in a misogynistic way, but it is, you know, rounding me as a human being because he taught me the value of responsibility taught me the um the ethos of hard work and he taught me what it means to take responsibility for providing for your family and and how important a part of of what we do as human beings is is looking after our family, looking after the, the people that we hold dear and that surround us. So he he was a very very significant influence. It took me a long time to actually reflect on and learn from that influence, but that's a that's another long story. Um, and then probably more in in more recent times. Um, I look. I'm I'm a pretty big fan of Seth Godin's, and and he influenced me in a lot of ways, and most specifically, this idea of um, consistent emotional labor and showing up every single day as a pro, whether someone's looking or not, um, keeping the promises that you make doing what you say that you're going to do, whether you feel like it or not, and being absolutely focused on adding value to those people that you're interacting with. And financial rewards, market share, all those other things flow out of what is the value that I hope to add? What is the change that I hope to make? And, and who can I best serve in doing that? So he, he's been a very significant influence i don't agree with every single thing that seth says but mm. there aren't very many things i don't and um and then one of the sort of intellectual influences for me is um teresa mable and her progress principle that has been probably one of the most eye-opening concepts that i've brought to my thinking and shaping that thinking and then to see that 
idea progress as a per, as um, the, mo- the greatest motivator in the workplace actually play out in practice and what that can mean has been a really significant influence in, in how I actually shape my thought leadership. Mm. That's wow. Nice and broad there. Your father, Seth, and Teresa. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. So, um, Jeff, how do you think failure has set you up for success? Oh, my. Um, look, for, for me, failure is um, not something I embrace, but what it what it has done for me is it is it has taught me through almost self-preservation, a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. And so for a long time in my life, and I don't mean to sound boastful, but I, I didn't fail very much. So it's, it's like one foot in front of the other was was a success through much of my professional career. And so I wasn't used to failing. And when I started having setbacks, and you get that when you have a practice, as you, as you well know, um, then um, I was starting to define myself based on my failures. And so when, when I failed, it was a failure of me. And what I've, what I've learned out of failure is that it's an opportunity to grow and then put aside. So rather, rather than saying this failure is a reflection of who I am, it's the ability to shift my mindset to say, okay, that was bad or unfortunate, depending on the magnitude. And now what can I learn from it? Mm -hmm. And once I've taken those, extracted those learnings, let's now set that aside. And let's go forward because that's all I can control now. So it's, it's, it's been an, an impetus to really build a growth mindset over the last, oh, seven or eight years that I've, that I've been in private practice. Fabulous. And so on the flip side, what's the, um, your greatest accomplishment professionally or personally and why? Oh, my. Look, I, um, in, in some ways, my greatest accomplishment professionally is the fact that I'm still here in, in my practice because I've been to the wall a couple of times. But I, I think a specific instance that I can think of is a particular project that I worked on in South Australia, the um, um, Adelaide Desal project, where that project was in quite dire straits. We'll say it that way. It was failing financially. It was failing from a delivery perspective, and the contractor client, as well as partner relationships, were devolving into legal warfare. Mm-hmm. And um, what? Well, what we were able to do was to build forward momentum around, okay, how do we actually work better together as a team? And out of working better together as a team, we actually hit some significant milestones. We accomplished some outcomes that were important both to the client as well as to the contracting entities that I was working for. And 
out of those successes, we started bringing the organizational entities together and they managed to resolve their differences. And out of resolving their differences, we started working together both organizationally as well as interpersonally at the team level. And we were, in the end, able to turn that project around and hit every major target we set for getting to the end and finish a couple of weeks early in a better financial position than when we started. And so it was, as a professional accomplishment, it was being able to take a $1.4 billion project, which literally had thousands of people working on it, and start at the human level, getting people working with people toward a common goal and, and have that build out to, okay, now um, as, a, as a broader um, um, ecosystem almost, working together toward a, a broader common goal and being able to succeed at that. Mm. And what's fascinating as you recount that story is how closely aligned it is to the work that you're doing now and your passion and mm. purpose for what you do um, in terms of this interconnection between, um, you know, people and projects and engagement and getting businesses ready for the future. It's, it's fascinating how the stuff that you're most proud of has now become your, your work. Mm. And, I, and I think, you know, one of the things that we often do is we focus our learnings on failure. So I just kind of did that myself. Mm. But sometimes our our greatest learnings actually come out of our successes. Mm-hmm. And, and when I, when I work with teams to do retrospectives, I call them and, and say, okay, let's, let's look back over what you did. And what does that tell, tell you about what you can is possible in the future? Um, there's a tendency, okay, here's all the things that didn't go well. Now let's fix those. But sometimes the things that you do well um, tell you the most about what's possible because more, more of that applied in a different place then shows you uh, if I get on the other side of what I saw into what's possible, then suddenly maybe all these things that I'm trying to fix in an incremental, at an incremental level go away at a more systemic and, and holistic level. Mm-hmm. Do you think, Jeff, that there's anything particularly in the last few years that you've adopted as either a new belief, habit, or a behavior that's helped get you to where you're at or help improve who you are in the process? Well, cer- certainly growth mindset piece mm-hmm. and being, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a work in progress in that world. So I have to force myself to help take stock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't, don't sit here and beat yourself up. But um, the probably the other piece was, once again, I'm channeling Seth Godin a bit, but um, it is very, very difficult to change what people believe. Mm. And so what you really want to do is find common ground in what you believe. Seek out those people that believe the same things that you believe and but need help translating that belief into reality. Mm action and um, so that gives you a much better platform in which to make a difference um, but 
yeah, that's probably one of the biggest things that I've learned that's helped me to succeed in my practice, but more importantly, helped me to deliver value to my clients is Mm -hmm. where's the common ground in what we believe. And if there isn't common ground, I'm not, I'm not the guy for you. Mm -hmm. Maybe you need to do something different or use somebody different to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. I love that. It's, um, it talks to me and some of the work I do around the power of the collective that um, you can only fly so high alone, but if you surround yourself with people who are on the same wavelength that can see possibility, um, it's incredible how much higher you can fly. Um, and yet, on the flip side of that, you've got to manage the boundaries that you put around yourself in terms of the negative energy that seems to uh, exist everywhere if you're not careful. It's, it's that whole thing of you choose to see what you choose to see, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> make, the, make, the, make all of the facts fit the story that I'm telling myself. Yeah, it's fabulous. Now, this webinar is all about um, unleashing brilliance or living um, a successful life. What What do you think of when you hear those words around such as unleashing brilliance or living a successful life. What does that mean to you, Jeff? Um, look, I, I think it's taking a leash off of fear, mm. the fear of failure or ridicule and creating a psychologically safe environment to learn and grow in. Um, whether you do that for yourself or if you're trying to, Unleash brilliance as a part of the team. I think it's um, taking the leash off of people's need to be constantly productive and giving them the space to create and experiment with new ideas. Um, yeah, I, I go mad around this idea of every moment of every day has to be rung every ounce of productivity has to be wrung out of it some sometimes you you need to create space for for experimentation and i I don't like the word innovation because i think that means something different to different people um i think it means creating an environment where brilliance can flourish and by that i really mean where you're defined by the sum total of your strengths. And I said this earlier, not by the least least common denominator of your weaknesses, Mm. where where we we actually recognize where people's strengths are. And and we try to identify and enhance those and allow them to to flourish and and create an environment where they can flourish. Mm. So when I think of unleashing brilliance, I... That's what I think of is, is free, freeing up people's ability to try things mm-hmm. and try things in a framework where they have the most likely chance of succeeding. And as, as you just alluded to, are supported in a way that um, brings those strengths to the collective and allows that collective set of strengths to, to flourish. I love that. I love that. Now, going back to that most influential person in your life, um, and in particular your father, you said he shaped you to become the incredible adult that you are now. 
Uh, he taught you a value of responsibility and the ethos of hard work and your point about the importance of taking responsibility for providing for your family. If you could talk to them right now at this very moment in time, what would you like to say to them? Oh, jeez. <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I... I Wow, that, you know, the interesting thing is that all of those lessons that my father taught me, not a single one of them was, was verbal, if you know what I mean. I mean, mm. probably here and there, but most, most of it was through example. And, um, you know, he, he didn't have, he had an eighth grade education. He, he worked on a farm and so he left left school in eighth grade to go work on that farm. Um, and so hard work to me was my dad had two and sometimes three, three jobs because that's what it took to, to feed the family. Um, and he didn't say much about that. He didn't complain. He didn't, you know, pat himself on the back for it. Um, when, so the, I would just sit with him, mm. you know, I just spend time just sitting with him and, and being with him is, mm. I think probably, and without going into the sort of details of his current life is, is the best gift that I could give him back at this moment. Mm. That's beautiful. Just, yeah. That's yeah. beautiful. Jeff, before I ask my final question, I just want to um, acknowledge how awesome this conversation has been. There has been so much insight and incredible smarts shared and you're quite clearly uh, passionate, not only passionate about what you do, uh, but in absolutely determined to, to make a difference with your work. You talked a lot about the pervasiveness of change that we're all experiencing. And again, I think anybody listening to this podcast would not disagree with that. And what I loved about your comment was that this pervasiveness of change is having greater uh, impact in terms of the depth and breadth of affecting businesses at a faster space pace, sorry, than ever before, and your work is is really in service to to helping those businesses continuing continue to evolve and deliver not only to the people involved in it, but also to the people that they service. So so that's awesome. Um, your passion around giving people meaningful work to be engaged, and that comment that you made about engagement isn't an HR problem it's a it's a business problem and the great conversation we had around the opportunity through failure to develop a growth mindset um, which as you also alluded to it's not always easy but it's something that if we give ourselves the space and time to do there is always a learning in that and finally um, that last question and um, what I heard as you were um, talking about the, the conversation that you'd be having with your father now, was actually uh, showing us the power of behaviours and how the uh, behaviours and actions that we actually um, 
present to people every day, not necessarily through words, the behaviours and the actions have an incredible opportunity to teach others. So thank you for sharing that. My last question before we close off is we often hear um, conversations or we'll often ask people, what do you want to be? What do you want to become when you grow up type of thing? Um, my question to you is, is what do you, Jeff, want to be remembered for? Look, I... I, I would hope that I, what I'm remembered for, um, both at the end of my interactions as well as the end of my life, is um, the time that we spent with Jeff made a positive change in our lives. Um, the, his time here working with us um, really made it made a positive difference to who we are as, as people, who we are as an organization and the opportunities that we have to serve our, our customers and our shareholders. So, yeah, I, I just want to be remembered as somebody who, who makes a difference in, in what he, in what he does. And, um, it's probably a simple aspiration, but, um, that's, that's my goal. That, that, yeah, that's, that's what I aspire to in terms of um, a legacy, so to speak. <laughs> mm, that's fabulous. Um, it's uh, attention out all the way. Jeff, it's been an absolute joy to chat with you. Um, if anyone's listening and they're interested, uh, Jeff has written a book called Projectify. And how can people get hold of you, Jeff, if they want to speak to you about your work um, or how you can help them? But probably the most straightforward way is um, through my website, which is jeffschwizo.com, J-E-F-F-S-C-H-W-I-S-O-W.com. And there you can find information about what I do and how I do it and, and contact details if you're interested in getting in touch. Um, what I would like to do for your listeners is um, offer them a, a bit of a gift for, because you've had me on and allowed me to, to sh share my story. Um, they can get a digital copy of my book oh, wow. um, for free. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll provide you with a link that you can put in the, in the show notes that'll allow them to download a um, electronic copy that comes in many varieties based on your favorite e-reader so to speak, if they're, if they're actually interested in reading more about the thinking that sits behind my ramblings. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fabulous. That's great. Thank you for that, Jeff. Jeff, sure. it's been awesome to chat. Um, thank you so much for allowing me to uh, prod and poke and challenge um, and have an awesome day. It's been wonderful to have you on the show. Oh, it's been my, my pleasure, Janine. As, as always, I love chatting to you. So thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to The Janine Garner Show. To follow her blog, purchase her books, or find out more, visit her website, janinegarner.com.au. Brilliant people, extraordinary results.